1: Hey, thank you, Scott. Hello. Hello, everybody. And welcome aboard Must Read Alaska coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. And today it's in Anchorage, Alaska for me. And if you like this show, please take a moment and give us a five star review. If you really have some kind words for us, we always appreciate a short review that helps us tremendously when you do that. It improves the rankings of our show and all the apps like Apple and Google Play. So um, for all the latest news, I want to make sure you also remember to go over to mustreadalaska.com, and we've got four or five stories up there, every news stories every day, because we're really pumping out the content. It's all good political content for Alaska, really sort of uh, taking it from the conservative side of the news. We like to balance out the mainstream media, and we do a good job of it over here. I'm Suzanne Downing. I'm really glad to be joined today by my co-host on the Kenai, John Quick. And as usual, John, I believe you're in Nikiski today and you always have something to tell us about what kind of crazy stuff is going on in Kenai politics.
0: Well, uh, thank you so much, Suzanne. Uh, John Quick here coming to you live on location from the Kenai Peninsula. And there is some rumblings this week. Uh, The uh, school board has their school board meetings, you know, once or twice a month and the next one's coming up here uh, in the next couple of days. And there are some rumblings that there was gonna be a group of folks that are gonna show up unmasked. Now, most people listening to this that are on the Kenai Peninsula or anywhere except for Anchorage might think to themselves, well, that's not a big deal. There's no mask mandate in uh, in on the Kenai Borough. There's no mask mandate across the state. Well, the school board has put itself in the position to mandate masks in all school functions, including uh, school board meetings. And so, uh, two, two, uh, three, two or three weeks ago, a uh, Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly uh, member showed up, not masked, and was forced to leave by the school board. And so, there's some rumblings that we're going to get a group of folks to show up and see what they do. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a place where we want to exercise our freedom of speech in our freedom of expression. And uh, there's no statewide mask mandates. So there's not much they can do besides shut down the meeting. And and uh, it'll be inter- interesting to see what happens because if you saw what happened in, I think Vail, Colorado uh, last week was uh, people from the community came to a school board meeting where they were forcing kids to wear masks all the time. and And the school board was overwhelmed and outnumbered and they left the meeting. And supposedly, folks voted in because of Robert's rule of order, new school board members, and immediately took away this the uh, mask mandate on on location there uh, because they never uh, uh, they never chimed out of their meeting. And so, um, you know, I don't think something like that's going to happen here on the Kenai Peninsula, but you never know. People are getting sick and tired of these mask mandates for our kids and our teachers and our uh, parents that show up, and so. We'll see. No, what I'm, happens. Just,
1: I'm, I'm just dying to hear about this meeting. What day is that meeting? Do you know?
0: It's uh, <sighs> this week sometime. Generalities. Okay. I okay. speak you in generalities. To,
1: yes. You need to send me a text <laughs> about when that meeting is. I have a full tank of gas, man. I am coming down there. I got to straighten you people out and put masks on all of you because like, that is <laughs> just not appropriate. How dare you take off your masks? Oops, wait a second. You're on the keynote. You get to do that. You don't we have that's do. mandates except we, except in your school board meetings, right?
0: Yeah, you know, they uh they try to sneak it in wherever they can, and it's, are the um, kids
1: wearing masks in the schools? There,
0: the kids are wearing masks in the schools ah. still. Um, we we are stuck with a uh lame duck, if you will, uh, uh, superintendent who only has maybe a month or so left, and uh, we he's not going to budge, he's made it adamant that he's uh has a political uh kind of juncture in this and he's not going to move the ball or the needle any which way no matter what parents say so we do have a new superintendent coming in which i i believe that the the borough mayor it, it has a good amount of faith in that he's going to be able to work with this person um at least have a conversation uh the the, the current superintendent refuses to even have a conversation with the mayor so
1: Hmm, mm, bad idea. Boy, I have a conversation with Charlie Pierce, one of the best things anybody ever do. That guy is brilliant. And he's just so down to earth. He is just so he's willing to listen, but he's not willing to listen to nonsense. And I really like the guy. So you, you send me the time and date of that uh, school board meeting, and I might just hop in the car and drive on down. You know, the road goes both ways. I can make it there. I sure can. Well, that'd be and fun. So, yeah so good for you guys and hey before we um you know head head on to a different topic i want to get get back to this um this thing that happened in homer that's your neck of the woods in a little bit and that's the raid on the family down in homer by the fbi but before we do that i was um i was thinking that maybe you could just tell us a few of our really great bragging rights uh, that we have for Must Read Alaska because we've been doing so incredibly well. And I just want people to know that we work hard over here. We work really hard. You know, for me, it's a good 15 hours a day of, of, of work for you. i probably seven or eight at least. And um, I just, you know, give people some of the good news about Must Read Alaska and how we're doing.
0: So first, I want to piggyback on kind of what you said earlier is that if folks are listening to this, or they have friends that read must read Alaska or must read Alaskas articles, or folks that have downloaded our app, or folks that have downloaded our podcast, I want to encourage you to donate because uh, the mainstream media all across Alaska is is well funded, and they are funded by different you know uh, uh, nonprofits or foundations, if you will, That's and true. they have s- staffs of five six you know, seven to 10 folks and big budgets and they have a bunch of full-time writers and they have full-time marketing people and executives and accountants and the list goes on and on. We have, uh, you know, a couple of people that are doing this. Suzanne is full-time and then a couple other folks that kind of chip in as as they can.
1: You and Scott, basically that's it. And, And basically you got one writer and a couple of really brilliant young people.
0: Yep. And we, We make it a priority to if you go on to other news sources, websites all across Alaska, the popular ones, they have what's called a paywall where you cannot go and read a story without paying for that service. We don't do that. And so we believe that this information should be excuse me, Scott, you might have to edit that out. We believe that this information should be free to the public. And so we Suzanne writes a ridiculous amount of articles every day.
1: Really, that's amount.
0: Some amazing columnists that chime in every week, and it's free to you. And so, if you have experienced some fruit in reading this, I want to encourage you to go to MustReadAlaska.com and donate because this literally can't happen without the good folks of Alaska donating five, ten, fifty, a hundred dollars at a time. So, one of the things that we just reached was. Uh, 16.2 million views on our website since May of 2016, which is just huge number for us in Alaska and. uh, You know Suzanne has approved something like 78,000 comments and you know take that that's our website now times that by two because of Facebook and then add YouTube and add all these other things we have a pretty big piece that beast that we're managing on a daily basis so um, we're excited to be reaching a lot of people we just launched our must read america which is a uh, kind of a sister company if you will of must read alaska so suzanne uh has a we have a partnership with newsmax which is the most uh popular conservative news source in the entire us we have a partnership with them and and suzanne has a column with them called must read america and so we decided to launch uh, Must Read America. You can go to mustreadamerica.com, and we're going to be talking about national stories on Must Read America. Um, we've just get it. We're just getting getting started there, so um, we'll add way more content as the months progress. Uh, sure. But we're excited that that's launched.
1: Well, yeah. And if you're a listener to this um, show, then you're sort of getting the inside scoop on where that's going because Must Read America is just getting out the door here. But we um, we that's the place where the national stories will go. And we're also looking for some good content writers there to cover national news that's mainly of interest to Alaska, but, you know, also of interest to things like uh, that conservatives in Alaska are interested in, but aren't solely exclusive to Alaska, for instance, Second Amendment rights or oh, First Amendment rights, you know, on, on and on. And, and for, for instance, uh, things that involve the Supreme Court, things that involve land use uh, across the West. And um, just the, the national politics today, and of course, as we head into the next election cycle, we all know that the, uh, the, the race in Alaska for the U.S. Senate race for Lisa Murkowski's seat will be a huge story around America. And all of our content will go on Must Read America as well so that we can sort of, you know, expand our, our scope a little bit. Well, listen, we've got some other good topics. That I want to talk about the mayor's race here in Anchorage and where the momentum is going. And I want to also talk to you about, I hear from you, especially, John, about the FBI raid in Homer, like I said, and maybe a little bit about what uh, Senator Dan Sullivan said today when he was speaking in the in the legislature, if we have time. Um, speaking of the mayor's race, however, just um, we'll be in an hour or so here. I'll be heading down to Bernie's Bungalow Downs Town in Anchorage where there's yet another fundraiser for Dave Bronson. I'm waiting for that Bronson um, APOC filing to show up on uh, the uh, Alaska Public Offices Commission website because I I know they've been raising some good money. And I just saw an amazing um, IE that showed up on their filings, an independent expenditure group called Conservatives for Bronson. And they put like $84,000 in. And what I understand is the McKenna brothers are have their trucks and they've got these signs on their trucks for Bronson and they're just driving around their trucks around town with these Bronson signs on them. so they had to kind of sit down and say what is the value of that and how do we create an independent extension group and how do we report it to APOC and apparently it's all on the up and up because I know I, as I looked at the filings I see that Cheryl Frasca did the, the filings for them so you know they're going to be clean and uh, they're they're so these McKenna brothers trucks are driving around town with with um signs on them. And the fundraiser is happening down at, at Bernie's. And over the weekend, uh, I ran into Dave. I went down to South Acreage where a bunch of people, are like 50 people down there. They'd gathered, they had garbage bags and gloves and they went and picked up garbage on the roadside for the annual citywide cleanup. It was an amazing event. They filled an entire massive dumpster, like two dumpsters full of litter from the roads. And our roads up here are just so littered right now. It's just, I've never seen it so bad. Another 50 people for Bronson were knocking on doors on Saturday. And I just heard today that they have actually done 20,700 doors and calls across Anchorage and Chugiak for this cycle alone. Not not, that since April 6th. So for the runoff election alone, they've hit over 20,700 doors and calls. So that is really impressive. Um, A lot of a lot of momentum. On Sunday, there were about 50 door knockers out as well through the neighborhoods. And then a person wrote in, uh, I just noticed on their campaign site on Facebook, that a person from Peters Creek said, hey, we're really glad you knocked on our door. We usually get ignored out here. But you guys, the first people ever knock on our door, thank you so much. And so really seeing a ton of momentum on the Bronson side on the on the Forrest Dunbar side, uh, he was at a vaccine event up at Northway mall and it really looks a little bit anemic he was just kind of by himself and he got a couple of pictures with some people but there wasn't any. Big momentum there, I mean you go see forest Dunbar is going to give you a shot your arms going to feel bad for a while you might get sick go to bed. I don't know it's not a great brand but um, uh, we're, we're doing a series on him uh, and fact checking Dunbar is called because. This guy says he's running a fact based campaign He's going to be fact based in his in his uh, governing of Anchorage, which is, you know, by the way, that's one third of the state or more than one third of the state 38% of the state is here in Anchorage so it's a big job you're a mayor of Anchorage and you are really running a lot of the state and so it's such an important election. And he says he's fact based and the rest of us are just um, anti science, he believes that he believes that conservatives are actually anti science, this is what they believe about us. But so we thought we'd just go ahead and and fact check him and he he said last week that the Anchorage budget could not be cut. And you know we found out that actually since uh, Berkowitz took over since Mayor Berkowitz took over as mayor in 2015. He has increased the budget from $481,000 to $550,000. And I mean, it just goes up and up and up. And really, at the rate of inflation, it should only be at $540,000. So it's at $10,000 more than it it ought to be. And he says, uh, Dunbar says that there's absolutely no place to cut. And plus, you know, that doesn't even count. The new alcohol tax that they put in, the new gas tax they put in, and all of these bonds that voters keep voting for. I don't know if the voters understand that when they vote for these bonds, along with that comes something called the maintenance and operations, and that is outside the tax cap. So they are signing up to pay for the maintenance and operations of these facilities for the life of the bond and then some. So um, we're just saying that, you know, on this particular issue and on several others we found uh, Dunbar to be fact free, there are places to cut that budget. We do have to cut somewhere. And what what Dunbar wants to do is he wants to grow government. And what Dave Bronson is saying is that, you know, all these people that were shut down by Anchorage policies over the past year, but still required to pay property taxes for their businesses, maybe those people ought to be getting a rebate or a tax cut in some way because they have been the ones who have taken the brunt of this. There isn't a single government worker who's lost their job, right? Not a single yeah. one.
0: You know, I think it's it's a very clear distinction. You have one guy, Dunbar, who's been the guy that enforced and stood by and approved, and uh, sometimes came up with all of these COVID policies to destroy uh, the economy in Anchorage. He's behind every single one of them, and then times. he, yeah, and then he comes to the table you know, a couple of a week or so ago and 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 votes to, you know, relax the mandates uh, in Anchorage, which is just a joke. All that is is political nonsense, because two weeks before that, he said he was going to be fine with extending it well into the summer and that he was going to vote in favor of extending these emergency orders. And then he realizes, well, crap, Dunbar or uh, Bronson's kind of on my tail here He actually won the the popular vote. And, uh, you know, I might lose here. So I better do something real quick. And all this is, is a political move to try to gain some more votes. But this is the guy. Dunbar is the guy, if you're listening, and your business has been affected. He is the guy that was fine with bankrupting your business. He was the guy that was fine with forcing your two year old to wear a mask at all times. He was the guy to sit and belittle people while they gave public testimony, and yep. I would love for somebody to do a public information request on personal text messages between Dunbar and Constant because yeah. you you would see, and they have to give them up. There's no I've had I had to do it when when I was chief of staff for the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Hand over my phone, they would have to give them up, and you would see a string of them uh, belittling. Uh, And being very, very sarcastic probably towards everybody that's come against them publicly during an assembly meeting.
1: Yeah, well we've we've already seen that uh, in their text in their uh, email messages that we did get through public information requests um, just really treating the public like they're a bunch of idiots and also saying, look, we gamed them, we forced them to, to the table, that kind of thing. But, you know, this is true. 20 times he's voted to keep the city locked down, and then all of a sudden, two weeks before the election, where it looks like he's gonna lose, he decides, okay, we'll just open it, open it back up. Everything's opened up. And this is at a time, during this past year, we went from, you know, like a uh, 13% com- uh, class A office space vacancy rate, and now we're at 18%. It's the highest level ever measured in Anchorage. We've never had 18% vacancy rate in our class A office space. And yet these people are still having to pay property taxes at the same rate, even though the economy has crumbled around them and it's not their fault. I mean, this is city policy that's done this. So um, I just think it's, uh, you know, Scott, what do you think about this?
0: Yeah, I can't sit by and just listen to this garbage uh, in terms of the the Dunbar thing. I will tell you this, if you actually look at his 10 point plan, it's pretty preposterous. I know Dave and I uh, last week talked quite a bit about it. The thing that really gets me is the number one point in that whole plan was 70% vaccination rate. And Dave clearly articulated that's that's almost mathematically impossible to do. So his economic plan starts out with something that's almost not feasible, and it continues to go on. I mean, talking about getting 10 new businesses to come up here to set up shop with an office space for remote work. I mean, it just goes to show you that how much effort was put into this economic plan when the whole point of remote work is that you don't have an office.
1: Yeah, that's so funny. That's really true. And, and, and this is a guy who's actually never been in business. He doesn't know what it takes to, to run a business. Good point, Scott. Thanks for jumping in on that. But uh, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where we go in the next couple of weeks because he he's, uh, understands that he's starting to slip that his message is, is hollow. It's not falling well with people. And that uh, Dave Bronson is just an average guy and he's just trying to help his city. He's a commercial pilot. He's a former, um, you know, he's a retired air force bomber pilot. He's a, who's cool clump calm and collected. And he says, he's just sort of simple caveman guy wants to get the city up back on track. And he has, he's catching fire in Anchorage. It's really interesting. So, so I want to talk a, a little bit about this Homer raid that we um, that we had. We saw the FBI went into a house in Homer last week, uh, broke down the door. The door is still broken at Paul and Marilyn Huber's house. They're on catchback Bay, and and John, I know you get down to Homer quite a bit. And uh, you know, what do what do we know about Paul and Marilyn Huber? Are they are they people who broke into the Capitol and stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop, like the FBI thought they were?
0: No, I mean, this is a uh, it's really unfortunate because both of these folks are uh, contributing members to their community. Uh, Paul is a precinct leader for the Republican Party. They both own and operate a uh, very popular inn down in Homer, where literally they have guests from all over the world come and stay. Um, They did go to D.C. to see the president. They did not storm the Capitol and um, You know, some of the some of the reports that I read were just astounding to me again, they have to be fact checked, but um, the you know from what we heard firsthand from this couple was. uh, They didn't really get a clear picture of what the warrant even was it was kind of flashed in front of them at various moments, but they never got the opportunity to actually physically sit down with the warrant and read it. Uh, The the FBI did kick in their door, it would seem appropriate if you're going to. of you know people's house to you know inspect whatever they want to inspect you might want to just try knocking first because Paul and Marilyn would have probably just let them in you know sure. these these are very decent people and the the responses that we have heard you know with the articles that you've wrote and and other folks have wrote was Paul maryland kind of were nonchalant about it during the interview process and and one of the things that the that Paul said that the FBI asked him they was like you know Doesn't this, this, this lady's your wife, isn't she? This, this is her on the picture. You know, they had a picture of a lady that looked like Marilyn that went into Nancy Pelosi's office, presumably, and took a laptop. And they were grilling Paul about this is her, isn't it? This is her, this is your wife. And he's like, well, you know, it kind of looks like her, but my wife's a heck of a lot hotter than that lady in that picture, you know. (laughs) And, and, and Marilyn made the joke to them that, you know, I would never wear a coat like that. You'd have to pay me a thousand bucks or something to wear a coat like that around. And you know, I think they probably messed with the wrong folks because these are not like reclusive, hide in the woods, build a bomb shelter. These are people that are out and in, in the community, and people are really up in arms. You saw the governor, uh, Governor Dunleavy, do a statement that he was going to look into it. It didn't seem right, and and that. Um, and that he was gonna make sure that that all state statues were followed and not broken. You saw uh, Senator Sullivan say that he was going to call the director of the FBI and kind of get the backstory on it. So, uh, you know, it looks like that they shipped up a bunch of FBI agents to do a raid on some folks that are successful business owners that happened to be at a Trump rally. And that's probably not the best look for the FBI to have.
1: Not at all, and this. But the thing about it is, is then I wrote a column about this today, and it's up on mustreadalaska.com, and I think you're putting it up on Must Read America, too. You know, this is we've seen federal agents going Waco on us here in here, here in Alaska, and we've got uh, instances, and that's probably a really bad idea for them. They just don't seem to be learning their lesson, because all of us are really well armed up here. Somebody comes busting through my door, It could be not good. Um, And I mean, it's really a good thing this didn't devolve into a Waco situation because most people aren't going to put up with somebody just busting through their door. If you just say you're police, how do I know? I mean, that's just not the way I've ever been treated before. So uh, I think that uh, you know more information will come out on this. But when we think about we think back to what the FBI has done before. Remember, they went and they raided Ted Stevens house in in. Herdwood. and then they uh, indicted him for all this. Several counts of failing to disclose this, the remodeling cost of his house down there. He, Bill Allen, was staying there, and he was paying for a remodeling. Bill Allen never submitted all the receipts to him. He just kind of was. It was a sloppy deal. But but the senator said, look, I was I was ready to pay them, but I I just didn't have the. They didn't know what he submitted them, so I would have paid them. And ultimately that was thrown out by a judge who said that the, the FBI had withheld information from the courts that would have been, you know, exonerated him. And well, that was too late. Already, Ted Stevens had lost his, you know, his trial was a week before the election. He lost his election because he was painted as corrupt. It was really sad. And then after that, he was exonerated. All the charges were dropped by the Department of Justice, and that was in the Obama administration. I will give him credit for that. And then, um, you know, after that, you know, one of those FBI guys actually ended up committing suicide. I mean, there was such a shameful thing. The whole thing was so shameful. And then, you know, looking back in 2007, same year as that raid, we had, we remember that John Sturgeon was on the, um, on the Nation River up there in the Yukon Trolley Preserve. And these armed agents from the, the Park Service, of course they're armed up there because there's grizzlies and so forth. They told him to get out of his boat and he would have to find his own way back, but he couldn't move his boat any further because it was that he was on federal land. Well, he's not, he was on a river. Rivers are state, uh, state um, managed in Alaska. And if we are prevented from using our rivers by the federal government, those are our highways. And so it was quite a, a case with the John Sturgeon against the Park Service in the Yukon Charlie Preserve. It went all the way to the Supreme Court and he won. He won not once, he won twice. He had to go twice, cost him $1.2 million just so he could go to his moose hunting ground with his boat. I mean, you can't get out to moose hunting ground without your boat in a lot of places. And then in in 2013, you remember the miners were up in Chicken, Alaska, right there on the border of Canada near Eagle, Alaska. And these ATF and, and FBI agents came swooping down on their placer mining camp with their guns drawn and they were bulletproof vests and like they're going to find out these guys were violating the EPA Clean Water Act. And there were like 13 or 14 of them. And they all just roared into these camps, scared the Jesus out of these miners, because I mean, they're just the last thing you expect when you're in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if you've ever been to chicken Alaska. I know you haven't, but it is in the middle of nowhere. And it's a great little place. Population 12. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that we have seen before. And that's why what happened in Homer, we just, I think it just rubs us the wrong way when the federal government treats us that way. It just, it's not a good look up here.
0: Nope. I will uh, tell you a one minute story of when a U.S. Marshal saved my life. Okay. I was 16 years old. Me and some friends were in a car and no joke a group of folks got out of their cars and surrounded us with swords li- real swords
1: like they and like sa- samurai swords or like
0: samurai swords we're or 16 like, years like, old
1: or like, like big, you know sword the sword stone swords
0: like big samurai swords mm-hmm. like they surrounded there's like six or seven guys surrounding our car with samurai swords and we're like what are we going to do here we're boxed in and out of nowhere a US marshal comes along and he draws his weapon and tells these guys to put down their swords and he comes up to our window and knocks on the door and he goes, yeah, we've been following these guys for some time. You guys can just get out of here. I'll take care of it. And he flashed his U.S. Marshal badge and uh, U.S. Marshall saved my life that day.
1: Where, what state was that in?
0: That was in the great state of Washington.
1: OK, that's crazy. That's really that's a crazy story. That is one for the grandkids. That's all I can say. <laughs> hey, everybody, before we go, if, uh, for the rest of the week, just please sign up for the Must Read Alaska newsletter. You can sign up there, right there on mustreadalaska.com. And you'll also get Club EMRAC, which is the daily bulletin from the halls of the Capitol. And I'm working on tonight's issue right now as we speak. And uh, be sure to tune in on Wednesday or Thursday mornings. I guess Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Usually it's up by Wednesday night to the Scott Levesque edition of the Must Read Alaska show. He does a great job. He is a rock star on Wednesdays. So if you're a supporter of us, thank you so much for your support. It really makes it possible for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska. And you'd like to support the conservative side of the news. You know what to do. Just the right side there at mustreadalaska.com. There's a button and just push that and, and donate what you can. And that allows us to stay strong, independent, and thoughtful here against the liberal activist news media. So until next time, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska.